Hey, it's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, we are um, doing a series entitled Stockings, and one of the things that I want to make sure and talk about uh, at the beginning of each of our times together this uh, Advent, this Christmas season, is um, how we can play a role in the mission that, that God has called us to and how we can uh, just continue to celebrate Christmas well. So last week, uh, we talked about the Christmas store at Simpsonville Baptist. So many of you responded to that. We were grateful. And uh, if it's not too late, that's, uh, that's this coming weekend, uh, next weekend, I should say, uh, if you want to get in on that. Uh, there's more information on the website. Uh, and today, we want to highlight something that we've done for the last several years entitled, uh, we just call it Christmas Kids. And uh, so today, after the gathering, uh, if you want to meet Katie over at the metal board over there, in the middle row there, there's some paper stockings. And those stockings uh, have information uh, from 16 different families that we've, uh, we've worked with our school partners to identify 16 families, almost 40 kids uh, in those families that, um, that need some help this Christmas. And so uh, we've just worked really hard at Christ Community to make this a, uh, one, a really personal experience. Uh, so you're going to work hands-on with these families. Uh, you're going to empower them uh, to celebrate Christmas well as a family and have a lot of opportunities to pray with them, to talk with them, to introduce them to why you would even think about doing this because of Jesus, because of the gift that he is to you. And so uh, I, I'm just excited for us to do that. And so t today, maybe you want to do that by yourself. Uh, maybe you're in a community group and your community group wants to go and pick out a family. Maybe you're like, uh, I'm just going to look down my row, whoever's sitting in my row today, and we're going to just go do this. Um, and you're, I don't know, you're dragging somebody with you, like, come on, my row's doing this, so you're in. I don't know. Um, but figure out what that looks like, what that combination is for you, and, uh, and go get a Christmas kid. Um, one other thing, man, we're so excited. Uh, so excited for what God's doing in Henry County. It's amazing. It's amazing to see the new work that he's doing there, uh, not only through a local church, but in pioneering uh, new hearts in people's lives. And so we're excited for Joe and Donna. One of the things that they're going to be doing in, in Henry County, uh, December 14th, so I guess that's Saturday, is they're putting on a, a Christmas dinner for the community uh, as a way of introducing themselves to the community, as a way of loving on the community, as a way to meet their friends and their neighbors, and they need some help. And so um, if you would be willing to, to help with that dinner this coming Saturday, uh, Mike Iman, who was hiding over here taking pictures, uh, he's going to be available in the back. He's waving his arms back there. Mike Iman is the man. He has a pretty cool story of heart change in his life, too. And now he, the Lord's using him to help uh, plant this new church, and uh, if, they need some help. So if you can do that, look them up, all right? Okay, let's read our text and then uh, just ask God to speak to us. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35, the story of a man named Simeon. We're in the Bible app, uh, if you want to find us there be reading from the CSB version, Christian Standard Bible, if you're trying to follow along. Luke 2, 25-35. says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant 
and peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Father, we thank you for your word that you gave to us through the inspiration of your spirit. And so today we just, we just open it, uh, yearning, pleading, longing for you to, um, to shine the light of Jesus in, in our lives. Help us to know who you are. Help us to, to be just overwhelmed by the peace uh, that your word brings, that your truth brings. And as we are overwhelmed by that peace, may we worship in response. The King, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. What's going to be in my stocking? Last week we talked about, uh, in, in regards to our stockings, you know, when they first go up, you have the hope of Christmas. It's like, oh, Christmas is here. But then over the next few days, it transforms and you begin to wonder, what's going to be in my stocking? My mom sent a text to all of the lawyer boys this week. She typically does this around this time of year. Maybe it's the same in your family. Maybe it's not. I need lists. I need the list. As we've gotten older, it's like those lists get harder and harder to make. I don't know. It's like I actually have to like think about what I want or what I need. I don't even know. So I do what every normal adult does, and I open up the Amazon app. Well, maybe there's something really cool on Amazon that I didn't even know that I needed. You just start making this list. And then it's crazy because as you're doing that, like there's things you hadn't even thought of, and all of a sudden, like, this would be really helpful. I really need this. And the more you think about that and what you want for Christmas, the more tempted you are to buy things for yourself. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. What's going to be in my stocking? All of a sudden, we, we shift from just wondering if there's going to be anything in our stocking, to what's going to be in our stocking, to I've got to have this and I've got to have it now. Growing up in the lawyer household, my mom often said that she felt like it was uh, growing up, like she was living in a dorm. She was married to my dad and then there was four of us boys. You can imagine the quality of mom's Christmas gifts throughout the years. So she was really grateful when we started to find some ladies to go with us. And we thought we were doing really, really well because last year at Thanksgiving, we like, like the, the, the girls in our lives were so thankful for them and they actually started helping us think about what kind of gifts we should get for our parents at Thanksgiving. It was amazing. Like we, no more gift cards. Like <laughs> it's crazy. And so the girls are like, hey guys, I think your mom really wants an Instapot. Great. What's an Instapot? Right? They're like, we'll take care of it. We'll send you a text. We'll let you know how, you, how much, you know, everybody owes. Great. Awesome. So Instapod is bought. Text is sent. We all disperse the money. Things are going to be great. Like, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Mom's getting a real gift from her kids this year. I kid you not. We're a week out from Christmas. My mom sends out a text to the family. Guys, you're never going to guess the amazing deal that your dad and I got today. 
we got an Instapot, and we're so excited. Like, Mom, you got to be kidding. Like, and you can't say anything, right? Like, at this point, it's over, right? So we just wrap it. We let her open it, and we're like, Mom, this is why you don't buy yourself things the week before Christmas. Like, that's against the rules. That's not allowed. Not to mention there's the irony of the fact that it's an Instapot, right? Like, it's so that you can get your food faster. The story is, I think, it just it illustrates so well how many of us live our lives. We think things are worth the wait. We value things. We, we see them as good. We think that we're willing to wait for something unless it's late, unless it's not on our schedule, unless it's not as fast as we would like. There's all kinds of things that we think are worth the wait, but then we just don't end up waiting for them. For whatever reason, instant gratification kicks in, the desire to just do something about it happens, and we just take matter into our own hands. It's like now, you know, used to you'd have to wait in line to buy your Christmas gifts at Black Friday or whatever, wherever store you go to. Now it's like if the Amazon guy doesn't come in two days, I'm calling Amazon. Like, what's going on? My gift, like, I, I paid for Prime and it better be here. You know, when you go to a restaurant that you like, you say, there's, 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 maybe you can come into your head, like there's, there's this one restaurant that I'm willing to wait for. Like this is the restaurant that I really want to go to. But then if you go and they tell you that the wait's going to be more than 30 minutes, you're like, well, I don't know. It's like 20 minutes ago, you said it was worth the wait. And I can't help but wonder if this tension between waiting and instant gratification lapses over into our relationship with Christ. Jesus is worth the wait. Ten minutes later, Jesus, how come you're not here yet? Like, where, what, where are you? You're late. What's going on? And you see, this all relates to our relationship with this idea called peace. We want it. We desire it. We crave it. And so many times we don't experience it. That's the tension that I think we see addressed in the text today. Simeon was waiting on Jesus. We don't know how long he'd been waiting. It could have been two days, like prime shipping. It could have been two weeks, two months, two years. It could have been the majority of his life. We just don't know. But it's clear from the text that he had been waiting. Waiting on Jesus. He's trying to figure out how to live his life not knowing how long it's going to take for Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's coming to save his people, not knowing how long it's going to take him to get there. And that's the same tension that you and I live in. We celebrate, especially at Christmas, that Jesus came to earth. But our hope, the thing that we're looking forward to, the thing that we're putting our faith in, is that he's coming back again to rule and reign as our king. We're waiting for that. So what do we do? How do we live while we wait? We say that Jesus is worth the wait. But on certain days, we just want to cry out, Jesus, you're late. We need you here now. Jesus, don't you know that my life is a wreck? Life is harder than I'd imagined. I just want peace. And so I ask you this morning, what is it that you want that you don't really want to wait for? What is it that you want that you don't really want to wait for? Is it a relationship? Is it a child? Is it a job? A gift? 
home? Because see, on our worst days, instead of waiting on Jesus, instead of waiting on the peace that comes with his presence, we take matters into our own hands. We try and find peace by running from our problems. We'll go into debt to fund our next adventure for a few moments away from the realities of life. We'll drink to avoid the emotions that we're feeling. We'll lose ourselves in unhealthy relationships because it's easier to have someone now than it is to simply wait. We'll isolate ourselves and avoid seeing people that stir negative emotions in us, and then we'll be angry or we'll be sad that we're alone because it's hard to wait. And in those moments, we want to think, come on, Jesus! Why do we need to keep waiting on you, Prince of Peace? I thought you were worth the wait, but quite frankly, Jesus, you're running late. That becomes the attitude of our hearts. And what we often don't realize is that we aren't just robbing ourselves of peace. It's not just about us. We're robbing God of the worship and the wonder that he is due. So how does Jesus coming change our story as it relates to being at peace? How does it restore our peace and how how does it help us to worship? As we think about Simeon's story, I want us to imagine for just a moment this odd moment when Simeon the baby snatcher moves in on Mary and Joseph. It's weird. Think of all that they've been through. The long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. No place to stay, so they have a baby in a manger. Seven days, purification for Mary. On the eighth day, they have him circumcised. Then there's another 32 days of purification, according to the law. And so we're 40 days into family life, and it's time for their first trip together. They're headed to Jerusalem. If you've recently had a baby... I don't know what your anxiety levels are right now, but if you are able to like bring that story into your own story, there's, they're really high. I want you to think about that. 40 days in to having a child, you remember even like the first trip with a child? Crazy, right? Like None of these things are fun. There is nothing peaceful about anything that I just said. And so in this context, nerves are on edge as these new parents are here in the temple doing what they're supposed to be doing. And Simeon swoops in, he grabs Jesus, and he starts worshiping. He starts worshiping. Now, Mary and Joseph, they they knew who Jesus was. The angel had come and told them who he was, but but this, this still had to be a little strange. This still had to be odd. I mean, how did Simeon know who he was? And who knew that some people were going to respond to Jesus, the Messiah, like this? Like, just come snatch him out of my arms and begin to worship. And when he does that, Simeon says this, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, it's about time. I've been waiting here for who knows how long. I was beginning to think y'all weren't coming. Really, I just wanted to see Jesus, but it's good to see you guys too, Joseph and Mary. Jesus, about time you showed up, man. The wait was awful. That's not what he says. What he says is, you can now dismiss me in peace. Why in the world was Simeon able to so quickly be at peace in the presence of Jesus Christ? 
How? Why? What was it? You see, God had been preparing Simeon for the peace of Jesus' presence. Everything in Simeon's life was, was leading to this moment. He'd been preparing him for the peace of Jesus' presence. And here's the good news of the gospel today. He does the same for you and I. God prepares us for the presence of Jesus' peace. The things that make up our life, the daily grind, the hardships, the toils, they're preparing us for the Prince of Peace. But how? How does God prepare us for peace? How did he prepare Simeon, and, and how will he prepare you and I? One thing that we notice from the text is that he is clearly using the Holy Spirit. You know, when things get repeated, you know there's something to it. And as we read the first few verses, we see the Holy Spirit is all over verses 25 through 27. Look back at those with me if you would. It said, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. Remember, this, isn't, this is like before Acts 2, right? Like then, This isn't even a concept for most of them. But, but the Holy Spirit is on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And then his move into the temple was actually guided by the Spirit. You see, God prepares us for peace through the Holy Spirit. That's who he does this work through. Romans 5.5 5 says this. Let me flip over in my Bible. You can flip over if you want. We'll have it on the screen as well. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, this is how he affects this hope and this peace in us. But we see from Simeon's story that, that the Spirit isn't just coming into us. It's not when the Spirit comes that peace automatically happens. He's doing it by revealing to us what is to come. The Holy Spirit showed Simeon that Jesus was coming. And the Holy Spirit shows us the same thing. I love the passage that helps us to understand this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-12. through 12. It says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. In other words, this is something that we aren't even going to understand in our human brains. God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And Paul continues to write in verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just in us for fun. The Holy Spirit is in us to reveal to us who God is and where God is taking us. And that begins to bring peace into our lives. But what's more, the Spirit then begins to guide us into the very presence of Christ. Just as the Spirit guided and prompted Simeon to go into the temple that day when Christ would be there, John 16, 13 reminds us, Jesus' words himself, that the Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. How does God prepare us for peace? Through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one that brings that peace. But how do I get the Spirit? How do I get the Holy Spirit of God in me? Well, Simeon goes on in his worship, right? He says, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. And then he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Verse 30. 
You've prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. The Spirit comes to us because of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says it simply, we've been saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. The grace of God to give us the Spirit is ours as a gift when we believe. God has prepared it. He has prepared it for us. And he is preparing us for the peace of Christ. He goes on to say that Christ will be the light that reveals his salvation to all nations. You know, we oftentimes don't give God enough credit as a planner, as a preparer. But the plan has been prepared by God since long before any of us were a thought. He's becoming a light for all. And the author of Hebrews chapter 1 helps us to see a little bit of what that plan looks like when he says this in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And in these last days, and by last days he's saying these days that have just happened, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the light and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Peace comes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us by way of the salvation that we have in Christ alone, by his grace and through our faith peace of Christ that passes understanding. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, as many of you know, uh, my family walked through my grandpa's death, and death is not natural. It is not normal. We got a call. Uh, Grandpa's birthday was on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, got a call first thing that morning that Grandpa was going to the hospital and they admitted him for pneumonia. He was also in his final stages of COPD. The combination of those two things was, was not very good. So I drove up on Wednesday and I saw him. He was in great spirits and they thought, who knows, maybe a couple days and he could get over the pneumonia and he would go home. Came back to Shelbyville. We had plans to be up there that weekend anyway, and so Caitlin and the kids and I, we loaded up in the car on Friday night, Friday afternoon, and we drove up there. We wanted everybody to, to see him, because you just don't know. So that Friday, all the boys come in, saw Grandpa. He was excited to see everyone. He was laughing, this dry, cackling laugh he had. Before everyone left, he mustered all the strength that he had, and he wanted to sit up on the side of the bed and give everybody a hug. He was in good spirits. Everybody went home that night to sleep. At 4.30 a.m. the next morning, we got a call that Grandpa was no longer responsive. So we all drive to the hospital. Death is not peaceful. There's not a sense of peace 
when you see someone fading. So we're circled around his bed. No one really sure what to do or what to say. He's struggling to breathe. They've removed his, his oxygen tubes and he's got COPD. It's tough. My dad looks up and he said, Blake, would you pray? I pray. I don't remember what I prayed. We pray together as a family. Within 20 seconds of the prayer being over, we watch as Grandpa breathes his last and this crooked smile that he has comes across his face. Death is not natural. Death is not normal. Losing Grandpa is one of the most difficult things that our family has had to go through. And yet in that moment, there was this incredible, incredible peace. And my sister-in-law, who's a nurse practitioner, says, that was the most peaceful death that I've ever witnessed. How do we experience the peace of Christ? How do we experience His peace? In seasons where we grieve the loss of loved ones, how do we know peace? In a time when the world says enough is never enough, how do we be at peace with what we have? In days where happiness is forced on us, like you're just supposed to be happy, how do we have the peace of Christ? In times where we just want Christ to return again and the end of this evil in this world and the, the pain of our past, when we want those things to go away, how do we experience the peace of Christ? As we look forward to gatherings with family that aren't going to be peaceful, how do we experience the peace of Christ? We join God in the work that he's already doing and we prepare for peace. We prepare for peace. You see, Simeon wasn't caught up in having to wait on Jesus. His heart, his mind, his emotions, his attitude were not loathing the fact that he had to wait on something. He was captivated by watching for him. He was devout in preparing for Jesus to come, knowing that in the presence of Christ, peace would reign. And so he was there. He was ready. He was around the temple, ready to enter when the Spirit said, go. You see, we may not be able to make peace happen in our spirit, in our lives. In fact, it's not a may. It's a sure thing. We can't make peace happen, but we sure can prepare for it. What is biblical peace, and how do we prepare for it? Biblical peace is a quietness in our spirit that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's a contentness, a calmness in our spirit, a resting before the Lord. Jesus talked about this in, in John 14, verses 26 and 27. He's telling the disciples about the coming of the Spirit. He says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I've told you. And then he says this, Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. 
Peace is given to us. It's not something that we get. But we can prepare for it. And how can you prepare for the peace that has been promised? Because you see, we may be waiting on Christ, but there should be an urgency to our preparations. Have you all seen the movie Elf? Let's lighten things up in here a little bit. We've got one. Tori Smith has seen Elf. Tori Smith is the man. He is ready. Y'all remember what happens? Santa's going to be here at the toy store tomorrow. Santa's coming! I know him, right? I know him! Santa's coming! And then what does he do? He prepares the toy store like it's never been prepared before. Right? Like I want to jump into the movie and go have my picture taken with Santa. Because it's just picture perfect. Light brights. The whole nine yards. Just the light brights get enough. I think those things are awesome. You can give me a light bright for Christmas. You see, there's an urgency to our preparation because we look forward to the day that Jesus comes. And so while we are waiting, we can be urgent in our preparation for Christ to come and to bring peace in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. Because you see, if you're preparing for peace, you won't wait to get ready for his return. There will be an urgency to the way that you approach your relationship with Christ and the things that you're doing while you wait for him to come. If today, if today you know that you have been saved by grace through faith, but you've hesitated on following the example of Christ and the example of Joe and Donna by being obedient to the word and being baptized. If you need to be baptized, quit asking whether or not the timing is right and start asking, why would I not do this so that I know that I'm ready? I know that I'll be ready to worship him when he gets here. I know. I know that I'll be prepared when the peace of Christ comes to rule and reign in this place. Be urgent in your preparation for peace. Maybe there's a sin that's hanging around in your life and you know it's keeping you distracted from watching for Jesus' return. It's become the thing that's consuming your thought and your mind. Would you be urgent in preparing for the peace of Christ? Quit allowing it to pester you and invite accountability into your life so that you'll be ready to worship when he gets here. I loved it. There was a day this week, this is one of my, like, one of the greatest days to celebrate as a pastor of a church. In the course of 24 hours, two different people came to me and they said, you know what? I've just realized there's some things in my life that I've gotten lazy on. There's some things in my life that I'm not ready to go through on my own. And then their request to me was, would you help me figure out who I can be in a discipling relationship with? Like, here's what I need to grow in. Here's the sin that's pestering me. Here's my goals for myself as a, as a spiritual person, a follower of Christ. Can you help me identify a person that I can walk with to achieve those things? Man, that's urgent preparation. That's urgent preparation. And so today, you may need one of those people. You also may need to be one of those people for someone else. And in fact, both can work together at the same time. Prepare for the peace of Christ to come. If you've gotten lazy or you've just drifted from, drifted from growing spiritually, don't accept that. Don't accept that. 
Start with a commitment to just come and worship on Sunday mornings. When we worship alongside of each other, it helps us to be captivated in watching for Jesus. We all need that. And if that's you, before you leave this morning, find somebody in your section and let them know that you'll see them next week. Prepare. Decide now. And give yourself to that accountability. Preparing for worship is something that, that from the moment we leave here, we're doing again. We're getting ourselves ready to be back here and, and to be celebrating with one another the Christ who is bringing peace. And if you'll prepare for worship, you will be able to watch and see how it changes the way that you experience the Prince of Peace when we're here together. You know, this idea of preparing, what's so cool is that, you know, it's not just about the church. All of creation is his. And so if we begin to carry this and apply this idea of preparing for peace into our daily lives, it applies in so many ways. What if you were the person at your job, at your work, that was always prepared? And because you were always prepared, there was just this overwhelming sense of peace about who you are and the way that you do your work. And then that one day when somebody says, why is it that you always are just so calm about everything? Why, like, why is that? Well, you see, God, God's been preparing me for the Prince of Peace to come. And I've just taken that, applied that to my life. But if I would take this mindset of being prepared, there's this overwhelming sense of peace that I, I'm not getting for myself, but the Spirit is giving to me. You can have it too. Here's what's encouraging. Life doesn't have to be great. Life doesn't have to be put together. Life doesn't even have to be peaceful to make preparations to receive his peace. In fact, we will prepare for peace knowing that the world we live in is quite divided. It's quite broken. It is very difficult to endure. And yet that's why Jesus is so amazing. I love verse 33. Verse 33 says, His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. They knew this was Jesus. They knew this was the Messiah. And yet for them to hear those words, that worship come from Simeon's mouth, it was amazing to them all over again. Because in the middle of their world, where everything was a little bit chaotic in this season, a 40-day-old baby, journeys away from home, they were in the midst of the peace of Christ. You see, when we see clearly who Christ is, we are amazed. We worship. We can't help it. <clears throat> Got a picture of a friend of mine. The dad on the uh, your right there uh, is wearing a Nebraska hat, and we'll forgive him for that. His name's Cody Shepard. Cody uh, and I were youth ministers at the same time in Lexington, and that's how we began to know each other. And Cody is pictured here with his son, Jonathan. Jonathan has uh, many difficult things in his life to overcome, but one of those things is cortical vision impairment. Cortical vision impairment. I I'm learning about it just this week, so if you're a doctor or a medical professional, don't grade me. But what I understand about it is this, is with his glasses, Jonathan uh, can actually see things just fine. He can see things just fine. 
But there's a processing disorder in his brain that even though he can see those things, his brain can't make sense of them until you're about five or six inches from his face. That's the joy on his face as his father sits a mere few inches from his face. Cody wrote this about his son Jonathan and their journey this week. He says, just like Jonathan is only able to process things that are close to him, we as humans are only able to process a portion of what God is doing. We can only see the things that are close to us. Yet we have no idea all the activity and purpose that is going on beyond our vision. We can only trust that a loving God has a bigger purpose. And then he asked the question, how can we have that kind of trust in God? And he says the answer is simple, because God came near. God understands our limited ability to process struggles. His answer was to become one of us. He didn't come as a conquering hero. He came as a baby. He faced our same struggles. He lost his earthly dad. He was cheated. He was beaten. In the end, he was crucified. He faced the same atrocities we have and actually much more than we can even comprehend. And yet, he remained faithful. And at the same time, he also chose to look into the eyes and souls of the people he came across. He looked beyond the stigma and the shortcomings. Those with the greatest sins somehow found the most comfort in his presence. And when others chose to look away, Jesus chose to draw close and look into the eyes of people. He, cl- he concludes by saying, Jesus understands that we are much more like Jonathan than we realize. That really there is something special that happens in that five to six inches. That moment when we choose to see people and draw near, we see eyes light up and smiles on faces. Okay, maybe five to six inches is a bit too close for you. But you get my concept. Pain doesn't just go away. But we can process it when we have someone close. And Jesus was. The Spirit is And we look forward to the day that Jesus is coming again. Simeon finished the encounter with Mary and Joseph by sharing the vision for Jesus' life that the Spirit had given to him. It was going to be hard. He says to them, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. A sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A few decades later, that vision became reality. And as Jesus shared a final meal with his disciples, he shared many things with them as they spent time close together, all in hopes of them having a sense of peace about what was about to happen. So he explained many things, and then in John 16, verse 31 through 33, Jesus says this, Do you now believe? Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone while I'm dying on the cross. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, 
So be courageous because I've conquered the world. I've conquered it. Today, some of you need to let Jesus get close enough to make sense. Let him get close enough to make sense. Let him love you. There's a faith step that you need to take. Do you now believe? That's the question that Jesus has for you. Do you now believe? And if you do, don't wait. Get ready for his return. Prepare for his peace. Step out. Be baptized. Find the peace that has been given to you. Others of you have seen Jesus. And so my question to you is, would you be amazed by him as Mary and Joseph were? Would you worship him? Be obsessed with him. Take in everything you can about him. Be consumed by him. Be captivated by him as he comes closer and closer to you. Fall in love with Jesus again and again and again. Baptism is that first step, but the way that we fall in love with him again and again and again is by remembering the gift of eternal life that he gives to us. And it comes with a side of peace. And we celebrate that this morning to the Lord's Supper. Here in just a few moments when the band comes and we play music and we respond to the gospel, we're going to invite those of you who have been baptized in Christ, believers' baptism, to come forward, take a piece of the bread, and dip it in the juice. It represents Christ's body, Christ's blood. It helps us to remember the gift of salvation that has been given to us, the peace that accompanies that when we have him in our lives. Whatever preparation the Spirit is asking you to make today, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be urgent about your preparation. It may not guarantee your peace because peace is given to us. We don't go get it. But we can prepare for it. So don't wait. Don't delight. Be ready. Let's pray. Prince of Peace, we thank you for not only bridging the gap between our brokenness and our sin and the the perfection of God, our Creator. But we also thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Spirit guides us and reveals you to us. We thank you that the Spirit makes a way for us to have a taste of the peace that we will experience in your presence. And so, Spirit, I just ask this morning that you lay on the heart of each person here how they might prepare for your coming today. Help us to prepare for the peace that we have in Christ. Help us to have the faith to take the next step that you're calling us to. We're so grateful for you. May we experience your peace today as we worship, as we respond, as we simply welcome you into this place and into our lives.
to change us from the inside out. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.